welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 104. This is following straight on from the last episode I did, looking into more Funeral Doom and Death Doom from the last few years. Uh, as with that episode, the same caveat exists of... Uh, some of these might wander a little outside those genres. I always find it kind of hard to classify those things. When you get into that kind of slow atmospheric sound, could it be black metal, could it be Doom? Uh, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes difficult to tell, but... Uh, all of these at least have like common characteristics. So let's start out with a legendary band. Um, this these guys put out again one of my favorite albums of 2021. Uh, this is Skepticism with their sixth album, Companion. So these guys have been around for a really long time, starting out in 1991, uh, the debut Stormcrow Fleet in 1995, which to kind of context for kind of the funeral doom kind of sound. It's kind of contemporary to Forgotten, who are like known as the kind of almost progenitor of that. And it's, um, I think, slightly predates uh, Funeral's debut from the last episode. So it's real um, early stuff for the genre. And Skepticism's kind of big selling point, the thing that kind of sets them apart from a lot of their contemporaries in the genre, is the heavy reliance on keyboards. They have a massive kind of. Um, organ sound to uh, most of their songs and this kind of this was quite apparent on Stormcrow Fleet but gets more and more extreme especially you get into like albums like Alloy and Ordeal uh, they've been um, they're kind of active for a long time like you know they've been going straight since 1991 but as I say only put out six albums it's kind of a gradual progress but they are one of those very cool bands that basically have a completely consistent lineup the four Four main guys behind it are the same four guys as started the band in 1991, which is is also my love. I love seeing that kind of progression where a band, um, you know, moves forward without ever really, um, yeah, with, with the same people like steering it the whole way. Getting to the sound of Companion, it is a massive album. I think this is particularly down to the huge kind of organ style keyboards that are kind of laid thickly all over it the the drums and guitars tend to sit in that like more traditional funeral doom camp of very slow very deliberate like the drumming never gets much above a crawl it's a lot of that kind of um so single hits that are just massively emphasized they have a cool groove to them but um it's yeah very very slow paced the vocalist does these excellent, like, long-drawn-out gravelly screams. Like, um, for something that is, like, so melodic in terms of the keyboards, the vocals always resist the temptation to to break into kind of flurries of cleans. It is in, throughout this kind of real harsh delivery. And for a guy who is just the vocalist, he's not playing anything at the same time, um, he's quite restrained like he does give the music a lot of space to breathe what i like about skepticism as well is it really feels like a lot of their writing is built to be recreated in the live setting um moments where the guitars get more involved where you do get these kind of more intricate melodies and that often there isn't that clear kind of second guitar because the band only has one guitarist although i do believe they have a second one for for live performances but the bass suddenly gets kind of a clear place in the mix um the bass player is you know that classic doom bass player just kind of locking down the root notes with the kind of the kind of groove of the kick drum so kind of keeping everything kind of anchored very very tightly so the the keyboards can go off more into this kind of 
epic space. It's a rather restrained album as well in terms of length, six songs uh, under 50 minutes, which strikes me as, you know, it's ridiculous to put general rules on album what albums sh should be. Like, you know, if you, if you need 100 minutes to tell what you're going to tell, like, that's totally reasonable. Um, but I do feel like for albums like this, where it's kind of that, a doom band that's sort of found their sound, they're doing that one thing very well. 50 minutes is a really digestible length for it. And I feel um, skepticism are very restrained on that front with their songwriting. Something else I've got to mention, because I love this, is the band's look these days is utterly incredible. Like The best band photo for them, go to their band camp, their kind of like profile there of the four guys in these kind of incredibly like over elaborate sort of um like just very fancy kind of formal suits but they're the four guys who are standing up on stage the drummer is still there in like a hoodie and leather jacket and he's like uh all his necklaces and it's just they have quite an amazing image to them these days but they do look like the most doom band going like maybe combining all the different elements at once but yeah a very very cool aesthetic as well i kind of like the the sort of quite minimalist album cover which is it kind of looks like a sort of close-up on a pine forest but the four like trees in closest view have carved in like um kind of like like a the bit of a recorder you'd blow into uh, uh, that with the kind of the cool like um amber sort of blue hue of it. It, it yeah it looks it looks really cool it's just very very subtle and like in many ways skepticism are quite a subtle band as they, they have the bombast in terms of those keyboards but everything else has that kind of restraint as i say like being so slow throughout their music and it show like this album does really show that it's like six years in the making it's it's got no fat on it at all it is incredibly memorable and engaging almost immediately i yeah i i think for me this is the most i've enjoyed a skepticism album since their their debut stormcrow fleet and that one's kind of hard to compare to this purely because it now kind of has such legendary status in the genre but it's great to see yeah a band of you know really one of the progenitors of funeral doom still being able to make music of that quality this far into their career
next up we have another Finnish album. Uh, I think uh, this one I came across from the Shuffle Repeat podcast. This is Kraken Durumvarut with their debut full length, The Stars Below, The Sea Above, which um, is the kind of... The band have been going quite a while. They have a debut EP from 2008, but only got their, like, their first full length out 2020. And it's this bizarre listen it is so incredibly atmospheric and the band it puts me in mind of although it's not doing their thing is ahab like this is another one of those bands that within the doom metal sound has really created that kind of sense of um you know kind of the vastness of the oceans very much i'd say like leaning towards like the more atmospheric elements of the debut ahab album back when they're kind of like more heavy sort of less accessible period unlike ahab there is no clean vocals the all the vocals on this are this like really odd like almost whispered guttural it's a very low vocal but it's it's kind of uh somewhat like ethereal and um yeah, it, it sounds like the delivery of it is quiet, and everything about this album has that kind of I, something kind of odd and ethereal about it, something really hard to, to grasp. It's four full-length kind of um, ten-minute-plus songs, and in between these three, uh, three kind of instrumental interludes, and the songs are very melodic um and beautiful but also extremely heavy extremely slow there's great use of keyboards and clean tones guitars in there but it's still like i'd say very much in the extreme metal camp somewhat due to those vocals somewhat due to that really kind of thunderous guitar tone but often songs are given huge amounts of space the first four minutes of the temple the second song is this kind of um, almost prog metal sort of keyboard, but played very slowly with this kind of, I, I don't know, yeah, th this strange atmosphere the album has. I can't even really put my finger on the emotion this album gives me. It's like somewhere between kind of awe-inspired uplifting, but then it also has the natural melancholy of doom, but it's it's not a sad listen by any means. I think the thing that really puts me in mind of Ahab are the kind of leads in this album. There's lots of these kind of simplistic doom riffs where you have this ever-evolving lead pattern running over and over the top with those faraway guttural vocals kind of going at the same time. It's a mixture of that and then moments where you've got like kind of um, sort of clean tone guitar creating a melody as, as a slow build up. The the mix of it's a bit odd as well. Like the drums are quite sort of set back. It's it's mainly guitars and the clean tone. Even the vocals are like fairly removed. And then you've got those aforementioned interludes, which are these three kind of like three to four minute pieces, which are mainly keyboard. But they don't bring the kind of flow of the album to a halt by any means. It's um they feel like sort of natural interludes to these these massive tracks. Like you know, the Queen Arise, the final one. Is, is almost 15 minutes in runtime. The album as, as a whole is, is over an hour. It's it's a kind of fairly grandiose listen. Um, and it just, yeah, there's, there's something about this band. They have this very interesting aesthetic. Um, the the album cover is, is a strange thing as well. It's this, um, I believe, I, I, I can't even quite work out what it is. It, it's definitely like an underwater shot, I think, of like sand being disturbed, but it 
it kind of almost looks spacey in the its nature. It's a very strange picture, and as you may have grasped with like the the album title, where they are going for for an odd aesthetic, like something kind of slightly Lovecraftian meets the vastness of the ocean, which you know, obviously Lovecraft himself borrowed heavily from like imagery of actual oceanic animals. So kind of obvious uh, choice there. Is what I don't believe a great deal is known about the band. It's two two members who go by pseudonyms who aren't kind of known for other projects, and the pseudonyms are fairly incredible, like Magnus Polopus Apollyon the Thirteenth and Grand Architecifus S Ducks. Um, yeah, <laughs> fairly over the top stuff, but yeah, like I really love what they're going for in here. It's it's hard to explain why it's so good because it is just that kind of perfect combination of tone and atmosphere created but i found this like a deeply engaging listen and something i yeah like just was immediately drawn to it a very very impressive stuff but there's something well actually yeah that's perfect because what i'm essentially struggling to describe here is it, it does fit with that lovecraftian aesthetic it does fit with that there's something kind of eldritch and weird about this this is this is not working on a kind of conscious part of my brain. It's somewhere else. But yeah, if you want something a bit more trance-inducing from your doom, uh, Kraken Triumvirate uh, really have something uh, special going on there. Also, I should say, the, the name is... I'm not even sure if uh, I'm... It's definitely not Diumvirate. It's Kraken Doomvirate, um, spelt D-W-U, as in two U's, M-V-I... R-A-T-E. Yeah, so definitely a band if you're looking for something that is like truly atmospheric. Also, as I kind of allude to, those those kind of prog keyboards make it kind of sit sit oddly. Like there there is a very progressive nature to this one, not just in the tone, but the kind of construction of the songs. Like yeah, they've they've got something unique going on here, and um, I, I really hope we get to hear more from this band soon. <laughs> Yeah. 
off, we have one that three different listeners of the podcast have recommended me in different times and have asked for good kind of funeral doom stuff. This is um, Un with their second album, Sentiment. Uh, so I keep saying uh in front of it. The name is just Un, as in UN. Uh, they're a a Washington-based band. And this is their second full length from 2018. They've been going since 2012. Interestingly enough, looking into a couple of members, it looks like the band was sort of somewhat formed from a couple of members' old um, deathcore band, uh, Idols, which is an interesting change in direction. But I, I can I can maybe see some similarity, a similar approach to kind of uh, wanting to sound massively heavy in places. And Sentiment is an album that very much leans into the slow and heavy end of uh, of Doom. Whereas uh, Skepticism are doing the, the Funeral Doom thing, using a lot of keyboards, creating a, a great atmosphere. Un are more focused on huge sounding guitars uh, with lots of space between heavy chords and then the occasional drop into a really good like death metal chug. The second track, Pause of Reflection, has this amazing moment in it where you've got this wonderful kind of clean tone melody and that just gives way to this really gnarly chugging guitar and it is just a real fist-pumping, like, epic doom moment. Uh, incredible sounding thing. The cover is quite kind of brilliant, actually. The album cover is this, this sort of lovely sort of, like, oil painting of like, a clouded sky and a kind of desolate riverbank below it and it's far more beautiful than the album would suggest the music itself is this very hefty very death metal inspired funeral doom the um the vocalist and also guitarist uh, monty mccleary has this great kind of really wet gurgling growl it's, it makes this absolutely horrible noise like he could definitely front like a kind of more brutal death metal band with his sound, but with um, Un, he just uses it to to great effect over these quite spaced out riffs. It's for a kind of album in this genre as well. It's quite a slick production. It's got a fairly kind of massive um, sound to it. The the guitar tone is is very very thick, um, and it's you know a band where they lean more into. Um, kind of yeah as i say the guitar stuff shying away from more keyboard sounds like using lots of elements of clean tone guitar occasionally between these huge chords and like yeah then the more chugging death metal riffing but keeping stuff anchored in funeral doom by being that slow to add kind of um you know gravitas to it it's got a few guest performances we have ethan lee mccarthy of primitive man adding some guest vocals Primitive Man being the kind of masters of the doing one huge slow riff in the most extreme heavy way possible. You know, quite a seal of approval on this. And then in completely the opposite direction, we have uh, Kelly Schilling of Dreadnought doing some guest vocals. The very talented guitarist, flute and vocalist of, of that band. If you've never checked out Dreadnought, they're like one of those truly unique um, things of just all the kind of random elements going together there as they just her her instruments alone is pretty pretty wild but yeah like these are these are people i respect the hell out of so seeing them in the guest spots definitely um sold the album to me i don't think this one is like very rounded packages like it's it's kind of tightly written four songs uh under under an hour 
they they do seem to go through a lot of motion like it isn't quite the the kind of skepticism extent of highs and lows but there is those great changes in pace um it's not a truly slow album like the the drums do get faster and more complex in quite a few passages but it is intense and brutal throughout maybe barring that brief section of of clean vocals oh yeah i thought it was a really impressive album up we have another album from 2021 which was one that grabbed me by the cover alone this is Rothidus um with Hunt as Avleg Feli <laughs> why do they even bother saying that aloud the band name is Rothidus um which I it's spelled R-O-T-H-A-D-A-S uh, I, they're a Hungarian band I believe all their lyrics are in Hungarian uh yeah so if, if you want to Google them, you can find them that way, and it's their their arm from this year, which is their their debut. I think they got one demo before this, but they're like fairly new on the scene with this project at any rate. The cover is this amazing dark image of a, a group of figures leaning a coffin towards a furnace in a graveyard with some weirdness happening in the sky above. It's a really, really captivating image. And um, they play a very furious band of death, brand of death doom. Their their kind of style is very leaning towards the death metal end of the spectrum. There is, I would say, this album is anything but slow. There is near constant double kicks throughout. The guitars regularly go into these fast kind of, I'd say, somewhat uh, reminiscent of Finnish death metal riffing. But then there are moments where things slow down. They say the drum performance doesn't tend to, but some of the riffs get more, more kind of slow. The the vocals once again is another excellent guttural vocalist with a real, uh, like just powerful delivery. A lot of great kind of rumble and depth to it. 
it's a relatively short experience. It's only like five tracks long, and I think it's yeah, around the 40-minute mark. But it is just this kind of fairly furious assault of this like very gnarly Death Doom. Much like the album before, it's a, a relatively slick recording. It's got a real um, sort of real weight to the guitars, and the the drums sound very kind of powerful on this. It's kind of yeah, everything sort of turned to eleven. The vocals, drums, guitar, all completely in your face. the The only kind of real departure from that sort of sound is the final track, uh, Timeteo which gets a lot slower. It's it's the only track on the album that crosses the the sort of 10-minute mark, and with that kind of slowdown, things get very, very evil-sounding. It's 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 the most atmospheric uh, moment of the album by far. I'd say overall, the, the, the kind of abundance of riffs on this album are what kind of makes it lean so much towards the, the death metal and the cap. By far out of the two episodes I've done on this, this is like the most riffy, head-banging kind of release of a lot but that doesn't stop it having the atmosphere and energy of doom like those those blast beats may kind of lean it towards that death metal camp but it still has a real um yeah, dark and uh, foreboding edge to it definitely helped by that incredible album cover interestingly the the this is recorded by a two-piece um uh bass and guitars handled by uh Tibohani and then uh, Lambert Ledeski is drums and vocals and both of these two have really kind of massive varied careers um like they they I think they are both in more than more than five active bands um have been going in in the scenes for ages none of these stuff I recognize I must admit my my knowledge of like Hungarian metal is is incredibly sparse, but uh, Rothadas are definitely making me want to check out more from the genre. So next up is another recommendation I got from an episode of Shuffle Repeat. So definitely go check out that podcast if you want more on this subject or basically any other genre of music ever. Those guys are pretty incredibly broad knowledge. The band uh, I'm covering next is Obed Marsh uh, from Perth, Australia, who play a kind of, I'd say kind of death doom, sort of inching towards the funeral doom uh, end of um, end of uh, 
doom metal uh from their their two albums titles Innsmouth and the 2019 album dunwich which uh, i'll be covering you can kind of guess the uh, the themes this is a very lovecraft inspired band um and they're kind of like the the thing that struck me immediately about this was the vocal performance is it's incredible it's a really brilliant vocal performance but also, I've never heard anything like it in my life. I, I'm going to completely fail to describe what his vocals are doing. Um, yeah, it's essentially it's the Doom version of what Astagul from Esoctrillium does. That bizarre, sort of guttural, but hyper-scratchy noise. Like It's a very strange sound, but I absolutely love these vocals there. They are properly uh, um, uh, just amazing. Um, they're performed by um, Sam Ford, who is the, the also the the drummer of this band. To say they're they're a two piece, so he's uh, also also lead guitarist. Uh, and then the uh, the band is made up by other member Drew Griffiths, who does bass guitar and uh, backing vocals. I think, and also he does like all the uh, mixing and mastering. Um, and yeah, sort of all the other stuff around it. This uh, the album's a fairly raw affair. Like the, the it, it is quite a rough recording, but it doesn't doesn't lack punch for that. The, it still sounds well intensely heavy. It's a very heavy release. What they what Obed Marsh do, which I quite like, is their brand of doom is kind of deceptively simplistic. There's a lot in in it where. There's like like a, a ch like the world's simplest riff like this, this slow chug will like keep reappearing particularly tracks like uh, the light that lay before my eyes, but with the arrangement of the drumming and the vocals like these just really pop like they do a hell of a lot with quite simplistic structures to make their music very very engaging. There's some odd nods to melodicism in this as well. The start of the fourth track. Um, Wilbur Necronomicon. He's um, like four minutes, where it essentially sounds like King Buffalo, but this like seamlessly transitions back into their heavy, kind of distorted, brutal death doom. I don't know quite how they managed that. It was very impressive. There's lots of things like that where they, they'll introduce like subtle melodies into it. The album is essentially split into three movements, uh, Lavina, Wilbur, and Hieronymus. Um, and each of those is like two more normal length tracks and then a kind of two minute long kind of instrumental intro or well, outro interlude type thing, which gives the album a good flow. It's, it's about an hour long, so I'm glad they sort of have broken up with some differing ideas in there. Something else I really liked about this album is the cover is amazing. It's kind of this very twisted Lovecraftian woodland scape um, as painted by uh, artist Mark Cooper who I wasn't aware of his stuff before but he does these amazing surreal like sci-fi artworks with really bright colour palettes you should definitely go look up his work like he's like I think he's done a lot of um a lot of kind of album covers but I totally wasn't familiar with his work seriously look up his metal archives page this guy has done like over 200 covers like at least a ridiculous uh, amount of work anyway back to Oben Marsh uh, certainly a band not like reinventing the wheel in terms of Death Doom they're, they're they're relatively traditional players for that genre 
but I'd highly recommend it just going, like, purely you've got to hear this vocal performance. I, I absolutely love what the guy's doing vocally. And I know the music's very well written, that right? kind of couple with that raw delivery just makes for a really great package. Supper a band I'm becoming gradually more convinced as a black metal band, but uh, who cares? I covered them in the research, so I'm going to talk about them anyway. You'll probably enjoy it. This is Alpha Hydre from Mexico with their second album, Spiritual Dimorphism, from 2019. So, going for a while, like, apparently since about 2005, originally under the name Opus Nocturne and then changing to Alpha Hydre. Um, yeah, these guys seem like fairly seasoned musicians in the Mexican scene. They've had a quite a lot of lineup changes, and most people who have been involved have, you know, gone on to be in quite a few other projects. Although, as if you go back to my uh, episode on Mexican metal with uh, Michael Tote, it, I kind of, yeah, made out. I, I don't know the Mexican scene as well as I should, and most of my understanding of it comes from him. Honestly, he's probably the person who recommended me this band. But anyway, to their sound, like. Metal Archives lists them as atmospheric black slash doom metal, and I can I can somewhat see the crossover. More so than most of the stuff we've been covering over these last two episodes, they lean into the blast beats pretty hard, but there's um there's a lot of simplistic keyboards layered over nearly all the music. The vocals are a cool kind of mid-range snarl, um, uh, Asbiel, uh, who does both guitar and vocals and bass, I believe, uh, like covers quite a lot of duties in this. Has a yeah, really cool voice. Uh, very different to most of the vocalists we've been hearing today. Like as I say, far more leaning into the sort of black metal register. And the music has like far more of a a sense of pace. It's not massively sort of complex. I'd say it kind of leans into in places that sort of necrophobic style uh, Swedish black metal 
but then has moments where it slows down and gets a bit more atmospheric, allows their sort of keyboards to kind of shine through. The thing I quite like about it as well is very much one of those bands where like sort of both guitars and the bass are all kind of following the riff. There isn't much divergence there. But the way the bass is played and mixed, it has this really gnarly twang that comes through every so often, which, I don't know, just adds like another sort of angry percussive element to the sound. So tracks like Admits Primordial Pandemonium really lean into, as I mentioned, that Swedish black metal sound, that kind of really kind of groove driven with these great kind of lead melodies between the, the guitar and keyboard kind of... Yeah, just very engaging stuff. But then um, the next song, Martyrs of a Disfigured Beauty, does slow down, does get more into that doom realm. It's doom with the heavy keyboards layered and the, the, those vocals that maybe sit more in a, a black metal register. But then again, whoever said doom had to have low vocals, I don't see why these kind of somewhat higher screams, they're not true like shrieking, this isn't, uh, isn't kind of Dea's stuff. Um, yeah, they actually they work really well for it. And maybe like yeah, that dual genre tag is just for the degree like this band changes in pace between its um its track. At forty two minutes in length, the album certainly doesn't outstay its welcome. There's a lot of varied ideas in there, and when it goes into those kind of blastier, heavier moments, the the band has like a real intensity to it. And it is, you know, very kind of slickly done. Like the the drum performances is, is incredibly tight and you know, when it goes into those sections, the, the double kicks are, like, ludicrously fast with these really kind of precise blast beats, but then they know when to slow it down and sort of pull back. And as I say, the, the sort of simplistic keyboards add quite a lot. It's, it's often leaning on or one or two sort of choral sounds just to give that kind of edge of epicness to the, you know, otherwise just kind of more brutal music. I, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I like as well, it's got quite a unique aesthetic with the, the album cover just being this close-up on this kind of, like, screaming, slightly kind of distorted-looking demon face. It, yeah, they kind of an odd look, but yeah, they, they're definitely on sing. And again, as we brought up in our Mexican Metal episode, like there is just some amazing stuff happening in that scene, and it just seemingly remains that little bit more underground when this is easily at the quality of, you know, many of their contemporaries. Yeah. 
Okay, so I've got two more bands left to cover, so this is going to be a relatively short episode. Uh, next one, I wanted to get one in in this style. This is the kind of international project Clouds with their most recent album, Despartier from 2021. Uh, I think this is like their sixth album. They've been going for a while. Metal Archives has them listed as like a UK slash Romanian band, but I know Dea, who I cannot escape on this podcast, was a member for like three years and he's a Belgian-based guy, so clearly very all over the place. Um, huge lineup on this this album. I think there's seven members of the band with flute, violin, guitars, keyboards, all sorts of stuff going on. Um, yeah, really really kind of massive sounding band with you know obviously that many people and and what they they go for is these very slow very melancholic doom so they take that slow kind of guitar riff and you know slow drum structure we've been talking about for some of these other bands and then layer that heavily with um particularly violin these long kind of drawn out violin notes that add that kind of real melancholy to the songs and then uh vocalist Daniel uh, Nigo tends to go for um, these really long, drawn-out gutturals over it. But actually, unlike a lot of the other bands we covered, the music isn't that heavy. It's just really sad. Like, it's... it's Essentially, this would be, like, sad, heavy metal if it wasn't for, for the vocals and the kind of all-over pace of the thing. There's a lot of clean vocals in sound. We have three guest clean singers, um, including... Uh, Aaron Stainforth of My Dying Bride fame, so that's quite quite a big name. Kind of turns up in there, um, and and Daniel himself, I think, does a lot of clean vocals. Uh, I don't think they appear at all in the first song, but uh, Your Name in My Flesh, the the third track, is almost entirely led by clean vocals. But what's interesting as well is the clean vocals aren't reserved for the more mellow sections. Often you get these amazingly like long drawn out screams over some very melodic bits of instrumentation and it, it it definitely works it's it's an interesting style but they're they're far from the only band i've ever heard sort of do that sound and actually i think there is something in there you can make those kind of death metal screens if delivered in the right way give a lot more kind of appropriate emotion to songs that aren't necessarily in a death metal register like if it wasn't for the vocals i would have trouble classing this as a as a death doom album not that that, that remotely matters I, I think it's a it's a rather beautiful album it has just like kind of a wonderful sense of melody it uses like the flute and keyboarders great interludes between these these long slow heavier sections Nothing in this ever really approaches brutal, despite having a lineup that would certainly be capable of it. So I say it's it's more more obsessed with kind of beauty and just being really bloody sad. Like this is of I think of all the stuff we've covered in the Death Doom sort of funeral doom genre from these two episodes, this is the one that's like you know most kind of weepy and. Kormo is getting the, the traditional essence of what I expect from Doom. Certainly having the, the My Dying Bride vocalist appear on it is very appropriate. This is this has got a lot in common with some of the more recent uh, My Dying Bride albums. It's a very slow-paced album, and it's certainly mostly there for you to kind of engage with that 
kind of melodic, melancholic side. Like, this is one where you're turning up for the atmosphere. Although there, there are some interesting departures. There's a proper shreddy guitar solo in the middle of the, the song with Aaron Stainforth on, which feels a touch out of place. But then it's kind of cool this album was throwing some surprises. I mean, it's an hour long, so you do want a few things to to shake it up a bit but yeah for the most part really just doing a great job of creating that atmosphere the only thing that slightly lets down for me is the way it sort of ends the last two tracks um sort of mainly lean into the the more clean tone guitar more like just like lots of the strings and the the keyboards and sparse clean vocals i think there's one or two screams but they're I would have liked them to sort of build back to one of their the heavier moments in that rather than this album the album's essentially just having this kind of fifteen minute sort of slow down towards the end. And it's a minor thing and you know, it's it's a totally valid choice of how to structure the album. I just um yeah, I think for me, I, I still really like those earlier tracks where things were a bit noticeably more brutal. I actually just quite like that interplay of the the screams with the melodic violin playing. That, that's the the thing that really stood out as interesting about uh, Cloud's um, album to me. Amazingly, the, the band are still unsigned. This is yet another great release from um, that sort of tail end period of 2021. I don't know quite what happened there, but... Doom seemed to just have this huge resurgence um, last year. like, And then particularly those last three months, a load of amazing albums come out. I don't know whether it's a result of a lot of these bands writing kind of amazing stuff in the kind of um, time we were all stuck at home for 2020. But yeah, the, the genre is really at, at like a peak time to get into it. So I, if you've somehow made it this far through these episodes and Doom it's the kind of newer find for you or something you hadn't got deeply into before like better time than ever to start on it and some of these these bands are putting out stuff in 2021 22 i imagine that is competing with you know the classics of the genre i think it's a genre that is definitely uh going from strength to strength particularly with this new kind of insurgence of in like enthusiasm and that like yeah and yeah clouds are certainly carving out their own niche within that. is an EP and it's an instrumental one as well so a little different to a lot of what we've been covering so far 
This is from 2021. Uh, the band is Fumus, and it, their EP is Nothing Further Beyond. So the band's done a series of releases, like loads of demos and other EP splits, all sorts before this. Um, and their debut album is actually coming out uh, early next year, The The Republic. Sadly, I won't be able to check it out immediately, but, you know, definitely will be in my list to look into. And this band are, like fairly different on all fronts to a lot of them covering but i'd still very much put it in the doom camp certainly not death doom that was kind of inappropriate but i wanted to get them in this episode so i, I think they were an interesting band so as you um you may know i i did not um uh fumus i'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it uh t-h-u-m-o-s is like a greek term to do with kind of breath and breathing uh, spiritedness apparently it like loosely translates to and despite it being instrumental um, there's a lot that leans towards the kind of ancient greek mythology in it the the cover is very striking this um i, I don't know what you, this strange like, almost stippled painting of uh, a tiny boat on the sea in front of the giant cliff face very like sort of greek looking craft and the instrumentals all have a name of the like the pillars, the dilemma, the chariot, the great beast, and sort of read like a a, a Greek story like that. There is it's definitely referencing one. I'm sure of it. And if I was a smarter man, I'd be able to tell you what the, if I read these titles in order, what story this would be. But yeah, kind of you know an Odyssey s story. I think is alluded to in this. For like it's it's certainly an EP you get your money's worth out of as well. It's twenty six minutes. There's there's six tracks. There's a lot happening on it, and it goes through quite a lot of styles in that time. the The minute long um, intro, the Ecumeni, is this great building keyboard part with huge amounts of bombast, and you think this is almost like leaning towards like power metal territory before the the opening riffs of the pillar come in and things get slow and heavy and incredibly punchy and just oh really gnarly like i would be tempted to almost call this like raw doom the the guitar tone is so kind of rough and scratchy and the whole recording has a sort of demo energy to it but they did the, the in a very good way it, it it gives the album a nice kind of savagery which it might otherwise uh sort of lack with, with without the vocals there but yeah the the pillars is just full of brilliant kind of just the best of like groovy doom riffing moving between very kind of heavy punishing moments to these kind of slower chugs really tight sounding as well i think um i don't know much about the band i, I think they're yeah the lineup isn't known but it it very much feels like an interesting one-man project um the first couple of tracks kind of continue that vein of uh, the heavy punch of the kick and snare but with the guitar being a bit more sort of varied to kind of fill up space there's some definitely interesting uh riffing particularly in the second track the the noble but as it goes on it takes a bit of a turn the final two tracks i'd say start um wandering into almost post-metally sludge territory somewhat less my thing I, I really like the kind of immediate heaviness of the earlier songs but i think for for a lot of you who do have time for that kind of more post-metal style like these are like these are still very cool songs it's just yeah it wanders away from the genre i really love into some slightly different territory but i like that there is that much variation in in the very short runtime. The other thing that sort of struck me, and it might be due to the production, 
I don't know what it is. There's something like intangibly black metal-y about this. Like it, it feels very related to that genre. Like if I was to put vocals over this, they would be high-pitched howls to to fit with this kind of sound. But yeah, certainly Fumasurum does something really interesting with this. Like I, I don't have a direct comparison particularly because of the, the variation within it and the kind of very raw nature of it most stuff that sort of has similar riffs wouldn't be recorded like this i'm very excited to hear where they go with things um on the republic i'm not quite sure when does that come out that's out on uh, january 28th it's definitely one to look out for and might if this sounds intriguing might almost be the better start point for the band but yeah Definitely, definitely an interesting project, and the, yeah, they really sort of captivated my attention with both by kind of the aesthetic and the kind of tone of uh, of this release. Anyway, that's um, probably enough uh, time me spent talking about Doom. I've yeah, uh, splitting these into two shorter episodes, I think, kind of worked well. I do realize like they're they're a little shorter than I usually do, but I, I think I got way too much most of the time anyway. Um, so as usual, contact me, philsbreakfastmetal at gmail.com, at breakfastmetal on Twitter, philsbreakfastmetal on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, if you, any comments on these, like, let me know your favourite Doom albums of last year. Like, there's a lot I really enjoyed that I didn't cover because I've either previously mentioned or, you know, with ones like Worm and Dream and Ending, like, they, they've had the nth degree of coverage anyway. But yeah, I'd be really interested to hear what your your favourite albums from, from last year in the style were. Or if you've got other great recommendations of, of good Doom albums from the the last five years or so. Hopefully I didn't offend anyone too much with the, the way this kind of wandered around genres. Uh, to my ears, I thought most of this was death doomy, but I can totally uh, I could totally understand debate on that front. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening.